0: This is Rowena from Pretty Creative, and my drink of choice is an
1: ice-cold white wine. I'm Gemma from Contently Driven, and my drink of choice is red wine. And I'm Mikala from Inspired Office, and my drink of choice is a sparkling white wine. Work-life wine time supports the responsible consumption of alcohol. Um, so it's Gemma here with you today and I'm ever so excited to connect you with our guest speaker, uh, the amazing Janine Foster from Speech Perfect and hello there, Janine. Welcome and thank you so much for being here.
0: Hey, Gemma. Hi. It's great to be on the show. I've been looking forward to this for a few weeks now. That's so excellent.
1: Guest first, tell us what it is that, what do you do?
0: Well, after having worked for over 40 years, what, you, what do you do is a fairly big conversation. It's, you know, from, oh my goodness, in the early days, an aerobic instructor. And so I have this mindset, it, but everything I've done has always been based around sales. And even when I was teaching aerobics, it was a matter of selling the concept for people to get their shoes on. And once they've got the shoes on, they may as well have turned up to the gym and then to get them to turn up the next day and the next day and the next day. And and I also sold a whole lot of gym wear in those times. That was during the 80s. So, yes, I have been in sales for a very, very long time. Part of it is repping for customers and building a business from absolutely zero to mm-hmm. selling over $400,000 worth of Band-Aids a year, which was Part of what I did for quite a few years, and then moved into a GM role, and and had coached a whole sales team, and and took a business from when I started there it was about doing about three million dollars, been in business for about 15 years and that was sort of a regular turnover. And within the next three years we got it up to over 10 million dollars a year in sales, which was super pleasing for the for the owners, but it was something that I love doing is being able to help people. And that's what I do with sales, it's it's being able to help people not Push sales so I've had my own business speech perfect combined with while I was working as a GM since 2007 and now I work with two different audiences particularly women in sole trader type businesses where they are good technician and they know what they do well but when it comes to sales it might feel a bit icky and uncomfortable and they don't know how to have the sales conversation and because I'm a professional speaker coach also I help people get the confidence to say it and how to say it and how to put the words together, that it's not scripted but it comes from the heart. And, and I also work with a sm- a small, medium businesses to help their sales teams do exactly the same.
1: Yeah, wow. That's, um, that is quite quite an introduction. Tell um, us <laughs> more about the uh, Band-Aid sales, though. That sounds fantastic. Tell us more about that.
0: It was. I. It, it was so funny when I, I got. I, when I first got the territory given to me, I, you know, they had this huge list of customers that you need to go to see, but no one had bought anything for quite a few years. So it was really a matter of going and knocking on doors and cold calling. The whole yeah I became cold calling queen because that was that was all I had to do and I didn't have the name of the person I needed to contact all I had was the address of the business that at some time in the past they had bought things from us and getting to know people and being able to help solve their problems and because they haven't done anything with us for a long time they were dealing with other people so I had to really show them what was the benefit of dealing with me and the company that I was was doing so it started you know some of the things were from every industry that you can imagine and and it was not that we ever wanted injuries in the workplace but that was you know what made more sales which is not good but it, it's right across the border from Band-Aids right through to defibrillators and stretchers and the whole range. I loved it, absolutely loved it. And when I moved into GM, it was the same company, but I was then dealing with the, all the mining giants and the, and the local councils and that type of range and market instead of going and knocking on the individual businesses myself.
1: Wow, that's that's amazing. What a, what a fantastic backstory. I love it. So very good. Brilliant. And I guess now uh, you're in Speech Perfect and that is your full-time business now, you said, mm. as well? Yeah,
0: um, as full-time as I want to work, Yeah. which is the absolutely. beauty of, you know, it's raining here today in Brisbane and so I don't have to be out on the road. We can be at home doing this. And I love Mondays. I think it's the best day of the week because I don't have to go to a job anywhere, but happy to work. 12 hours a day myself in my own business as all of those people in their own business would know that you put in long hours, but it's the joy of doing it instead of having to do it.
1: Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And I guess what um, then brought you to work then for yourself uh, and leave all the, you know, everything else.
0: Yeah. Leave the big pay. I mean, yeah. and that's a decision that people have to make is
1: mm-hmm.
0: how do they do that? I, I, I was ex- extremely well paid. I was working full time as a GM of sales, and then I realised that I needed a lot more balance in in what I did. And sort of got to the stage where my grandchildren were being born, and I wanted to spend some more time with them. That became a priority. I, so for, for four years, I worked five-day fortnight as a GM still. So I was able to continue that, but just work the five-day fortnight. And it was a brilliant way to slowly uh, grow my business that had been sitting there bubbling away, but not without with the focus that I wanted direct to and the energy I wanted to put into it. And so I was able to do both for a few years. And it, the interesting thing, and I think a lot of people get in this position will find themselves in a position that when you're earning big money, that step away is really difficult because you, you, don't, you just don't want to leave that. And, it, and it's hard. even though mine was half pay, it was still more than what most people earn in a, in a year. So it was still very good money. What happened? And the universe sends us messages, though and mm-hmm. says okay now is time and you do I did try and fight against it for a while and the message they sent me was a new operations manager did not quite have the same customer focused energy that I did in the business mm-hmm. and did not appreciate how I'd grown the business originally for you know all over those 20 years and it just became a place that i couldn't be any longer the energy changed. to the it was just extremely stressful for a lot of people there but for me if i couldn't be doing the things that i wanted to do the way i wanted to do them then and be able to assist my clients the way i wanted to be able to system and you know i was working part of the time from home there'd be cyclones in northern queensland so we're getting major supplies to them it didn't matter that it was my day off and this person was asking me to dot I's, cross T's and and not work past a certain time. So I mm-hmm. thought, what a good idea. This is the time to retire from from that position. And I have to, I really have to say thank you to, her. I can't quite get there yet, but I, I feel it. I feel this joy that has occurred since I did that. We plan to spend three months traveling Europe in 2020 Mm. but because I left the position a year earlier we spent three months traveling Europe in 2019 and it was all Airbnbs that I had all booked myself and so the universe thank you very much because we oh, really? we had this amazing holiday and and did what we needed to get done and if it had been that year later mm-hmm. it would have been a loss of money and time and, and where when can we do it again we don't know. So yeah. again I listening to the universe eventually I just went yeah right you've got it you've been pushing me enough, I'll pay attention to it. And so then, yeah, move full-time into my business as full-time can be planning a European holiday and, <laughs> and also then coming to the end of the year and going, right, now you'll get stuck into this business. And then 2020 happened and, and yeah, so, but it's, been, it's still been great. There's been lots of preparation that was done prior, which sort of paid off last year.
1: That's wonderful. I I love that. Just really listen to the universe, you know, whether it's the universe or signs or intuition. It's so important to pay attention to that, right? Mm -hmm. Yes.
0: Yeah. And it it was. It was. And I've always done a lot of that, particularly knowing. Okay, someone's name pops in your head, so knowing to give them a call or that that or if, if you haven't followed up something and it just Becomes part of your awareness. So take steps and not put those, not put it off.
1: Pay attention to when you get those messages. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Um, well, this this podcast has taken quite a wonderful turn, really. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, just before we move on, tell us just a little bit about about you and your interests. What What do you love doing? I. As I mentioned, I have grandchildren,
0: so I have five grandchildren and the oldest one is 17 and the others are all littleies from seven down. And two of them post-COVID have and their father have moved up to Queensland and are now living with us. So I have mm. a two-year-old and a four-year-old in the house. which <laughs> uh, I, my, my office door has a lock on it. It's just mm. wonderful. Yeah, yeah, because they they do like climbing up, and especially if I'm in a, in an interview situation where there's people on the screen. They, they absolutely love it. So I, I really enjoy spending time with the grandchildren and and time in the pool with them. It it it's just yes, that's something that we've we've been doing for years with the with the kids is is making sure that we spend some time outside with them and enjoying mm. that. I play golf as. Uh, so that's a fortnightly thing where I get the opportunity to chase the white ball around the golf course and try and put it in the hole in the least amount of shots that I possibly can which is always fun. I love walking I, but I, I try to walk in the bush somewhere right yeah. We've got beautiful yeah. wetlands near where we are mm-hmm. and, I'm, I, and so I try and walk around those or just the bush around us a bit and you know do some stretching and having come from that, fitness trainer background it's stayed with me all the time i used to run the whole thing's the body doesn't do what it used to do Mm -hmm. so now it's the walking and, and the stretching or yoga or something but it's 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 you know just just taking what you can do and doing what you can do and and moving the body daily I think is is so important. My hubby's retired. He's got a big shed in our backyard where he makes amazing timber turning work, and he spends the day in the shed. So it's that works well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for
1: sure. That's that's uh, wonderful.
0: Yeah, and well, I love networking. I will turn up to the opening of an envelope. I just love being out and meeting people and sometimes i don't know what i've got in the diary listed i'll go oh i don't know it's 10 o'clock somewhere i'll go and see what it is yeah. and i've been known to have things in my diary it's at 10 o'clock and i don't even know where it is i'll ring a friend and say do you know where i'm going do you know what i'm doing it's
1: funny. Oh, that's I- wonderful I love it. I actually haven't heard um, yeah the saying of you know I'll go to the opening of an envelope in a long time. So it's wonderful to get that back in in my mind actually. And I love that you you do that. It's great. Good on you. I like people. Okay. you like people. I love it. <laughs> so after all of that, wonderful info and insight there from you. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for that. I was quite cool. the introduction actually. It was wonderful. Uh, But we are here today to discuss confidence uh, in business and a bit of selling yourself as well. Um, But first things first, Janine, I'd love you to tell us a bit about your book, um, Being Unstoppable. It's a fabulous title.
0: It's my second book, Being Unstoppable. Uh, Yeah, the first book was called Good Girls Do Sell, the Modern mm-hmm. Business Woman's Guide to Authentic Selling. I just have to give a little side note. Whenever I go to a networking event, I usually give one away as a raffle prize, and so far we're 99% a man has won it. I've had one woman win it over the years, it's always been a man. My usual tagline is I work with women or smart men. I'm not that fussy. The The so the being unstoppable was released at the end of two thousand and nineteen, and I kept getting asked. I've I've always been. People have said, "Oh my gosh, you're just so confident in everything you do. How? What's what's the story? You know, what Mm. what makes that easy for you to do?" And so I started thinking about it, and real and I, you know, realized. A while ago, quite a while ago, and particularly when I started working with a lot of sole traders, that people aren't as confident as they as they want to be. You know, there's a lot of blockages holding people back that they that they can't progress over. And when it comes down to that in business or in life, that they're, they're missing out on opportunities because they're of 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 some fear, and it's usually a fear that stops people doing something. And I find out of all the fears, the fear of judgment is the one I think that holds most people back from, from doing something. And then when they don't do it or don't risk trying it because of somehow how someone might judge them, then they're missing that opportunity to expand their ability to do something and then that trust in themselves that they can do it again and they can do it again and that they can do it again. And that's what I wanted to get across in being unstoppable is how to find calm in your life, how to take those steps daily that make you uncomfortable. I have to say, and I'm trying not to use the term because use it all the time as your comfort zone, because I don't really believe there is such a thing as a comfort zone. I call it a confinement of anxiety because everything outside is anxious. If you, if you're in this space or so that you're not stepping out of your comfort zone, you, you've, if you've, tr- if you treat it like a comfort zone, then you'll sort of wallow in it, but you're actually anxious to do anything or step out of it. Now, that's just a terminology I've had for, for many years. And I, it, from when i use that i think that people start thinking about that guy yeah well it's not that comfortable because other things are uncomfortable hmm. uh, yeah so that's so i'm trying not to use the term because it's really easy cause it's something that we know but it's that that sense of fear anxiousness whatever the fear is that people feel it's that's and I, I'll just go with judgment. That's just one of the big fears. Oh, we won't do it because what will people think? What will they say? What if I get it wrong? Well, guess what? We all get it wrong all the time. You know, I'm watching a video of my friend's got a six-month-old grandson. And I was just watching the video on the weekend and he was rolled over. And he just thought he was so clever and then they put him back on and he'd rolled over, but they had a very long, he'd only just learned it, but he'd kept trying and trying and trying to roll over until he got it. And we forget that mindset as we get older because of that sense of judgment. What if I get it wrong? Mm
1: -hmm. Yes, it's, uh, it's really true. Um, and I'd, I'd love to ask then. So you think uh, confidence, but uh, being confident, the main reason people aren't so confident, you know, you're saying is all of judgment or what if I get it wrong. So did this come from the fear of those things?
0: Yeah, I, 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 it's fear that holds us back from mm. do, doing things and. You know, if we walk into a room and we're not, we don't know, know people, then a lot of people will sort of hide out, or they won't go. You know, if I don't know anything, I won't won't go. I just, again, I keep sidetracking with stories, but I think they're relevant stories anyway. The I was went to an International Women's Day event a few a couple of weeks ago, and I didn't know anybody there. I just bought the ticket. It, it was a the fundraiser for Small Steps for Hannah, which was you know quite important here in, in Queensland particularly. Mm. And so I was started chatting to this lady. She wanted me to take a photograph. So we started chatting. I said, are you here by yourself? And she said, yes. And then we spoke for about 20 minutes, and we just had so much in common. We've connected really easily and really well. And then coincidentally, out of the 300 and something people there, we were seated next to each other. It was bizarre and have continued that connection. It's And I, I used to say this all the time when I was working as a GM. I've got, oh, I've got a new bestest friend. It's not that they are, but it's that comfortableness that you, or just that opportunity to meet somebody that you don't know who you're going to meet but a lot of people if they go well i can't go now because someone else isn't going and you miss out on so much so that's one of the fears you know that that that, what if i turn up by myself what will people say what will who will i who will i speak to what if i'm sitting there by myself looking totally lost you know there's all these things in that situation that people will will fear mm. and that fear of losing control or being out of control is is another common fear that we like to have everything segmented in our lives that we don't like things to change so that if we and control is one of my i put my hand up as i've, I've learned over the years you can't control everything but it's still you know i do try Uh, certain times i do try (laughs) but it but it's not a fear around it if it's not if it well there you go it's just it just happens and you have to move on but it's the fears there's so many fears
1: that hold us Mm -hmm. back constantly yeah yeah sure how would you define fear for you what what do you what do you think fear means what does it mean to you
0: my mother-in-law used to worry that i didn't worry truly she said that to me she said, "I really worry that you don't worry. Mm. I, of course, when I mean, if you've had children, you know, I think you wear your heart on the outside of your body for the rest of your life. That's how vulnerable you are, and you do things to protect them and protect yourself in situations. You know, we wouldn't be jumping out of a plane without a parachute. You know, and we may not jump out of a plane with a parachute either. That there might be a, a fear around that, but." Well, there's a few different acronyms for it. False evidence appearing real is Mm. is one of them. And uh, failed expectations appearing real. But there's also things about things that may have happened in the past. I can't remember what that acronym is as well. If you've already experienced something and it failed, then it's reinforced it. So then there's a fear for the next time that you do it. But it's usually false things. You know, I, I... I'm not comfortable with heights, so I make myself walk across clear floors at 70 stories in buildings, or or walk out over the Grand Canyon on the on the clear thing. You know, and I don't. Yeah, but but every time I do it, I go. It's that fear of it. But then I tell myself this this the fear isn't real this is not nothing is going to happen just enjoy it instead of fearing it so for me fear means an opportunity to do something fear yeah. means an opportunity to push myself past that boundary and as i public speaker uh, i don't get nervous very often so I set myself up into situations that push me past my boundaries when I when I do that so I'm part of a not-for-profit public speaking organization called Power Talk. and so what I do for me is I either asked to do educationals which doesn't push me but I don't ask not to prepare speeches that they give me a topic about three minutes before I speak and then I speak on a speech for about five ten minutes on that particular topic. So that's the sort of thing, but it's finding your limit and then pushing past that limit a bit. So that it feels uncomfortable, not terrifying. We never want to be terrified, but that nervousness which we feel in our gut when there's a bit of fear is the same feeling we get when we're excited. Mm-hmm. So changing that terminology up into excitement instead of fear, then and then doing it will then just shift that along. So next time you're looking for something like, you know, a 10-minute impromptu or whatever it is, just so that you can I can get that sense of excitement.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's so true that, that that feeling when I sort of, when I started to delve into fear and what it feels like for me and all of that, I did the exact same thing that you said. It was like, hang on, this feeling feels almost precise to excitement for me you know it was it was so interesting and it almost just takes that one little anything thought event to change that exact like vibration feeling in my belly for it to be you know excitement good or fear bad you know and then you really think about like that feeling for me really drives action yeah, whether it's mm. running away, you know, from a lion or running towards something to, you know, I, I don't know, procreate, I guess, if we go mm. back to, you know, why we have those feelings and, and, and those, they really drive us to take actions. And it's just so interesting mm. that that's, I don't know, it's sort of like probably why as humans we we're giving these feelings because so they do motivate us to do or not do things, you know, and it's so interesting that fear and excitement, I feel the same.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The and it's just, you know, depending on your level of anxiety or fear in what you do is to how much you push or what that push is. But if you're constantly aiming to feel that level of excitement, then you're you're going to be expanding your opportunities and, and expanding what is possible for you if you can just push that a little bit every time
1: yeah sure it's yeah that's, mm-hmm. that's so interesting i love it and i also thought before of uh, a, a saying or a quote that's in uh, macbeth and he says present fears are less than horrible imaginings and mm-hmm. i remember reading that in school and and just being so fascinated by it because he it's when he macbeth's thinking about murdering and he's you know what i've sort of got from that is that him thinking about it and really painting that picture of the future of the murdering that terrifies him more than the fear of actually what's happening now yes
0: and that's what it does it's usually that the fear of the past or fear of what might happen Mm -hmm. but rather than being in that absolute moment and because Yes, and so you say not feeling that same thing. No, okay. Yeah, I, had, I hadn't. I. It's interesting, isn't it? At school, you either if you study one Shakespeare play, isn't it? So you.
1: Well, uh, not unless you're a nerd like me, who you know took extra. Right. Okay. Yeah, I did about six yeah. Shakespeare's because I loved them. Love. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 But I do remember remember that, and and you know when you got really deep into you know getting small little quotes or a paragraph and having to kind of like all of that that was one I really remember doing like it's so interesting that he was imagining all these bad things and the witches coming to get him and people he wanted to murder and all of these things and that was scaring him more than what he really should have been fearing like in real life you know it's interesting
0: yeah Uh, and and the that's what happens is that little subconscious voice takes over and I, one of my favorite movies is and i'm trying to think of the name of it but where it's a kids animated movie where he's got all the different parts to the brain and they've all got different jobs to do oh. it it's really cool and i know it'll it might come back to me yeah and it, it is it's and it, so this girl if she's happy then happy's the priority one or and there's the fear-based one and and a, and eventually she starts losing some of these memories and fear starts taking over a bit more. And so they've got to go and rescue all of the other happy spaces. And, and that's unfortunately what we do with this, our subconscious. If it, it, We build connections in our brain from how we're feeling. And if we're feeling happy, then we'll build more happy connections. Or if we're feeling confident, we'll build more confidence Connections, but again with the fear, and and then we start having that opportunity to reinforce what that belief was, and when we get the op- when we can when we are reinforced multiple times about that belief, then it really does start setting us up for that fear and anxiety, and it's all going on in our subconscious and not in our our conscious brain.
1: Yeah, for sure, it's it's so interesting how our brain can can do that, right? <laughs> mm-hmm fascinating um now you touched on this a bit earlier about uh fear of judgment you said that's that's something many people fear um mm-hmm. but i guess when running a solo business so you work with many female you know solo business owners mm-hmm. what's, what's the mm-hmm. one thing that you work with them or, or you see them being scared of what's the one thing
0: definitely definitely is the fear of, of judgment and within that yeah, it definitely. And it's the who do I think I am to be able to start this business doing this. It's It comes from that space. And mm-hmm. whether that's something that has come through from childhood or I, I worked with a, I, I ran a retreat in over the last couple of weeks and we covered a lot of this stuff on the retreat. And I worked with one of the, the women on the retreat who was Indigenous and she was told all the way through primary school that she would never amount to anything, that because she was Indigenous, that she would just, well, they didn't even use that terminology then, that they, yeah. because she was, they that she all she could ever hope to get was a job as a cleaner. Now, the effect of that, she's yeah. an amazing school teacher, but the effect of that now... At her age and and she's you know near near retirement has borne an incredible effect on her all the way through as to who do you think you are yeah to be able to do that so what so when you got that in in her situation possibly it might come up as something that i have to keep fighting you know i have to keep demonstrating i have to keep showing who i am to be good enough for this or in your business it's something you're questioning yourself Uh, how can i you know have this successful i've got one one of my clients got this fabulous business called bath calm and it's a beautiful products that the name of business says it all and shower calm and 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 it's just it's amazing products but the oh, okay, I've now got to have a sales conversation with somebody about it. And, oh, what if they don't like me? What if they... And because it's usually our own product or it's us, they're judging individually, that's where that comes from, that sense of judgment. I've worked with people who have being uh, phone operators and on sales on the phone for other companies never had a problem as soon as they move into their own business because it's that sense of judgment on them it it shifts for them completely
1: Mm -hmm. wow that's interesting so i guess then why isn't it easy to, to sell yourself or sell your own product or service
0: because the product or service is that representation of us. You know, we've put a lot of I'm mean, using the universal we, we have put a lot of time and effort and energy into something that we create, whether it's a tangible product or a service, things that are people that we believe that people want and need and they're going to pay us for. That's you know what happens when we start in business. That's why we do it and, and the Side benefit is that we love what we do, usually, if it's our own thing. But when we start doing that, then we start questioning when somebody says no. And when they say no, we then judge why they said no is my product not good enough is my service not good enough do they not like me personally do they not like the way i deliver it don't they like the dress i'm wearing have they not you know whatever it is have i been too much out on social media there's everything starts running through the head on that judgment of the no and the hard one of the hardest things to come that realization is they are saying no to the offer and not no to you personally. And it's that to you personally where, when it's your own product, you really, most people own that as a personal no to them. And and then there's ways of, you know, if you haven't built up trust, well then it's a good chance that it might be a no. If there's not enough value in the offer and it's not something that somebody needs, it might be a no, or it just might be the timing, so it might be a, a not yet. But when you really get into the sales conversation and know how to ask the questions, then you know why somebody's saying no, and that's a really good point as well. Without directly asking them, why are you saying no? Uh, yeah, and that 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 sense of that's where that real sense of self-judgment comes in.
1: Yeah, for sure. I guess it it's really challenging to separate you know, the no of no, they don't want the offer or no, it's not the right time or, you know, no for whatever reason as opposed to, you know, no, I, I don't like you or, you know, no, I don't like what you're wearing or I don't like what you said to me or I don't, you know, it's, it, it is it mm-hmm. is really challenging to separate those and if you are working for, you know, a sales company or business selling something that's not yours, you know, mm-hmm. I, I can really see why, there's such a big difference there. Mm. So yes, and,
0: and and there's so many things that are in that no. There's just so many reasons behind it. Or and, and just even not even a no. I remember one of my reps came to me and she was really upset. She was dealing with a particular customer, had been dealing with them for quite a while. The person she was dealing with had changed she'd gone in to do their it was first aid to do their restocking of their first aid kits and the person that was at the counter was the new one they didn't even look up at her and they said i'll i'll get it organized it's fine and and so she was really upset thinking that she had just been totally ignored and that we're going to go to somebody else and Mm. and she could tried hard to talk to this person build connection but nothing everything seemed to be missing the mark and so she rang me and 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 we talked about a few different strategies but the next day she got a huge order from this person and what what we then went back and discussed and realized that she was a very auditory person she did not need to look up to see who was there to speak to them directly, but she was listening to everything. And and so auditory, auditory digital, she was processing it in her own way, not necessarily the way that my rep would normally have a conversation with somebody expecting the conversation to be even that way. So there's a whole lot of reasons and it was a very simple reason as to how people take in information. And some people make decisions straight away. Other people like to process them. Other people really want not want to know why. Some people want every you know five pages of information about the product. Other people want three dot points. You've, it, there's a whole lot of things that you need to know how to deliver information to the right people at the right time.
1: Well, wow, that's very so interesting. Um, yeah, I'm the five pages of information person. I'm the
0: dot point. Just give me a dot point. <laughs> just. I had a client and I was helping her with some strategies and she was a writer. I was getting seven pages of things and she's just, and we communicated after the first one. I said, Oh, what I'll do is go through what you've got. I'll summarize it and send it back in dot points. And then we can both communicate really well together, but it's finding how to commute that, that level of communication. That could be one of the reasons for the no is just missing and, and not staying with what's comfortable for you, but finding a way that you, Can communicate well. A whole lot of reasons for a no. It's just, yeah. We place that judgment on ourselves. Maybe I didn't have my makeup on that
1: day, or whatever it was. It's yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's just. It's so fascinating that that just just yeah. Thousands of no reasons that we. I guess again, universal. We straight away go to. It's obviously me. You know. It's it's so interesting as to why our brains just instantly do that.
0: And think about how many things that you decline in a day.
1: Yeah, right.
0: You know, so, so we we do it, and in sales, we, we have an automatic no. It, it, it's I've, I'm yet to meet anyone that doesn't have an automatic no, and then they have to move to the yes. It's a okay no. Oh, okay. Some people move really quickly, and other people take longer. But it, and it depends if you explain the benefits really very well and realize the person could realize what's in it for them and the benefits for them and how it would help them solve a problem or challenge that they've got and how your product or service can do that they can move that through quite quickly but in the first part we just don't like being sold to we don't like doing things that go no i don't want to do that and sometimes we'll change our mind through obligation responsibility to somebody or we will change it because we see value and we trust and happy to do so but it's it's all part of a knowing how to sell from a real space from a really authentic space and 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 get people in, into finding out asking questions is the most powerful thing you can do
1: to find mm. out where
0: people will sit and if you've addressed all the questions that you need it's really you you've, you eliminate that automatic no
1: all yeah, right, so selling from an authentic space. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us a bit more about that.
0: I love it when people pay me money for things. Don't get me wrong, I absolutely love it, always have, and it works well when I go to spend something. Saying that, I have turned people down and said, that's not the right course for you. It's not what you need or not what you need at the moment. And maybe I've directed them to something else that I'm doing, or I've directed them to something else that somebody else was doing to fill that spot that they need to be at this particular time. Because I would rather, I'm in a position where I can work, focus more on the, what, how I can help somebody, and that's my level of focus. Is, is I want to solve problems for people. If they're not making enough sales, then I want to help them make more sales. If their business is not doing well, I want to help them do that. So I'm coming in from that angle, not one size fits all. This is a product for you. You know, it's, it's, and being very real about. The people that I deal with and the clients that I have, I've still got clients from 30 years ago from uh, other industries that contact me and, and want to find out who they can deal with because they they always knew that there was a reliability, there, there's that level of realism and no BS at all and I would solve their problem for them. And that's where I think that realism comes into. It's about solving problems and not selling products. It's solving problems. When I solve problems, people buy things from me. But it's about solving problems.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's so true. I love it. Um, All I can say is thank you for (laughs) all your insights are, are incredible. But before we go, can you tell us, of course, where our listeners can find you? Thank Gemma. My website is
0: janinevosper.com and I spell my name J-A-N-E-N-V-O-S-P-E-R.com. The best way to get and to speak with me directly and see if I can help solve any of your problems is I just book a free strategy call or we can have a conversation. And again, if I can help, I will or I can direct you to all that networking I've done over the years. I have got a huge list of people that can help if i can't but i'd love to find out what problems you're having and and maybe i can assist that's probably the best way i do have a website a a facebook page which is speech perfect insta is speech perfect the linkedin is my name janine vospar i've got youtube channel I'd love you to go to the YouTube channel. There's hundreds of videos. There's 60-second business bites, dozens and dozens of those that are just a minute long, and they give you a bit of information about a whole range of subjects. So please go on and subscribe to the channel and and say hi on there as well.
1: Wonderful. And just before you go as well, we, or I, and we would love, um, what is your final thought of the day? For us what's one thing that our listeners can take away with them today i believe to live fearlessly
0: is to not even consider it as a comfort zone but to consider that space where you are in is as a confinement of anxiety and then to take small steps every day that is going to make you feel excited that sense of excitement if it's fear to start with call it excitement and take those small steps just to do something that's going to be a little bit uncomfortable every day until you eliminate any of that anxiety outside that space i think that's the most important thing just do something every day that you go couldn't possibly do that
1: do it Mm, for sure that's wonderful Um and well, I guess one more thing. I just keep thinking of things in my head. There, you know, yeah. You make it's just it's very exciting up episode today. Thank you. <laughs> oh. Welcome. <laughs> I've been working a long time. There's a lot of stuff there. You
0: should see when I run my day-long workshops. And and I have got a whole lot of those sort of things. You can find them all on my website. But when I run my workshops and I get excited, I really appreciate the opportunity, Gemma, because when I'm sharing information, you can probably gauge from how I am now, I get really excited. I ran a retreat for five days and I came home on a high rather than exhausted Mm. because it was just wonderful to be able to share all, all day long. It was great.
1: Oh, that that's fantastic. I think yeah, a workshop with you would would be wonderful. Yeah, I'm excited <laughs> enough from this. Just saying. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> what does collaboration over competition mean to you? going into our theme here at Work Life One Time.
0: Okay, the collaboration over competition. I, I there are people who do similar things to what I do and I've never really thought it as com- competition because nobody is me and they may do things the way they do them, I do them the way they do them. I know on my podcast I've interviewed some people who do are sales trainers as well because they've got great information to share, it may be different than mine or we can collaborate as we're having the conversation on those, those ideas. Uh, I don't fear, don't fear competition. If, if you want to get better at something, and you look at all our amazing swimmers and, and, and other athletes, or, you know, I'm just talking Australian ones, but athletes around the world, what makes them better is that competition. If they've got somebody who's close in speed to them, then they are the ones that tend to even raise the bar even higher for themselves. If you're feeling that it's some, it is a competition, then have, use it as an opportunity to raise that bar for yourself i, I collaborate with a, a lot of people in similar industries and i the retreat i ran was with a person that does yoga and chinese medicine and exercise physiology and so we we talked about the whole body mind process through the retreat so it wasn't it, it, and they m- match together beautifully i also collaborate with an, another woman who does styling we do a stage ready thing so that we get people ready to be able to present her with the styling and, and me with the presenting. So collaboration, if, if you can find people that you trust and, and really want to work with, then I, I highly recommend it. I wouldn't necessarily have people in exactly the same industry to, to collaborate with. But I have done that also when you you know that you can't do it all yourself. So. But don't be scared of
1: competition absolutely well mm-hmm. uh, uh that brings us to the end of today's episode and all i can say is thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom it was wonderful i've
0: absolutely loved it thank you very much Gemma, for the opportunity and happy to do so And i'd love to hear from many of the listeners who may have some challenges
1: absolutely for sure and you'll know where to find the wonderful janine and brilliant, that means that is a wrap. And as always, all you kick-ass women, fellow workwives, remember you're not alone because collaboration is power. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you enjoyed it, hit subscribe. If you'd like to learn more, then check out our website, www.workwifewinetime.com.au. While you're there, jump on our mailing list to receive special updates and offers from our guests. Until next time, Take care and drink responsibly.